great to see you again this morning. I know we've just um, said hello, but um, yeah, my, my, name's, my name's George. I help lead the church here. And I just want to say, before I say anything else this morning, if you're new here or maybe you're um, exploring faith or church for the first time, I just want to say this before anything else enters your ears. I want to tell you that God is real, that he loves you, that he wants to have a relationship with you. And that the best thing um, many of us in this room believe that we, you can possibly do with your life is to give it to following Jesus, to give your whole life to following after him. And I just want to say that would be remiss of me not to say that my cards are now on the table. Hopefully that's not a surprise being in a church. Good, okay. So, Christmas has happened. Christmas has happened. The decorations are still up, but it has definitely happened Wednesday this week. Um, I'm sure many of us opened presents this week. No? Okay, no one got any presents <laughs> this week. Um, and I'm sure some of us, one or two of us, pretended to be grateful for a couple of presents. No, Grandma, I love that you've knitted me pants. They're so woolly. Christmas, um, Christmas is done. It can be easy to feel like Christmas is done for another year, can't it? And if we're not careful, like all this stuff about Jesus becoming human, in, in, about God becoming human in Jesus, like all of that's done for another year. All that incarnation stuff, we've done it for another year. We've had the carol services. What are we on to next? 25 weeks in Revelation. Six weeks in Lamentations. Neither of those things will be bad. But. but I want us to take a moment this morning, I really do mean a moment, to, to look again at what it means that God became one of us. What the incarnation actually means outside of, outside of just the nativity and Christmas, what it means for our day-to-day, what it means for the rest of our year. And the lectionary, which is, which is the, the kind of the Bible reading plan that us Anglicans like to use, all of the readings today are focused on the humanity of Jesus. This is something that the church wants us to reflect on before we, before we move into a new year. It wants us to really consider what does it mean for you and what does it mean for me? What does it actually mean to our lives that God became one of us? And that's what our, Hebrew reading is, our Hebrews reading is all about. Um, this, um, this morning, because the incarnation isn't, isn't an event that we celebrate once a year at Christmas, but a reality that we're called to live in daily. The incarnation is an event that we, we celebrate once a year, but a reality that we're called to live in every single day. In other words, the incarnation is for life, not just for Christmas. I had to do it. Sorry, folks. And if you're anything like me, you can can get to themes like this in the Bible. God becoming man. And and particularly if you've been in church for a long time, you you, you sort of think, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. God came, baby Jesus, nativity. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. But we can become so familiar with things, can't we, that we actually become slightly numb to them. My confession this morning to you all is that even this week, I found that to be true. As I was preparing for this sermon, opening scripture, immediately my mind was going to, what new bit of knowledge can I pull out of Second Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2 rather? What, 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 what new insight that 
can I share that will be particularly enlightening? Rather than sitting there, reading the scriptures and thinking, wow, wow. Before I prepare anything, before I say anything, I just want to be in awe of this. In awe of the fact that God, as Johnny said last week, the holy, powerful, sovereign God who made the planets and the stars, the entire universe, a sun that is 250,000 times the size of our planet, came to be with us in the person of Jesus, became one of us. And not just one of us, but as our scripture this morning says, like us in every respect. What does that mean? It means that Jesus experienced everything that it means to be human. That when God took on flesh in Jesus, he didn't just do it to provide a transaction just to forgive us our sins. He did it so that we would know that there is no part of our lives, nothing we can think, no emotion we can feel, no hurt that we live with, not even sin that we go through, where Jesus isn't able to come close. The incarnation means that no part of our lives is exempt from God's presence. Jesus was the most human person to ever live. Have you ever thought about that? You know, you know sometimes if we, if we don't think God is human enough, maybe it's because we're not human enough. Maybe Jesus, well, what if Jesus is the ultimate, ultimate form of a human being? What if he is the ultimate human being? Because to be a human being, to, to fully be a human being, is to be in relationship with God. And Jesus experienced everything that it was to be human, but lived in perfect relationship with the Father. Ignatius, an early church father, St. Ignatius, who we'll probably look at in the next few weeks, put it like this. When he was teaching the Christians around him, he said that if the incarnation is real, if God has really come, if he really knows what it means to be human, then go and find God in all things. Go and find God in all things. But the, the big problem, it seems to me, at least in my life, and for most of us that have been around the church a little while, and even a stumbling block for many people outside of the church, is that on some level we, we really struggle to believe that God is actually present, that God is actually with us in everything. We, we, might, we might think he is. We get, you know, we get the end of the Gospel of Matthew, particularly if you're a Christian in here. We get the, the, that Jesus says to his disciples, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. But subtly, we don't always practice the same things. We see it in many different ways. Maybe we find it easier to pray in church than we do at home. Maybe we find it easier to worship God in, in the songs, which are amazing, by the way, than we do to worship God in our work and in the washing up, dare I say. Maybe we're very good at bringing our faith to God, but we're not great at bringing our doubt to him. Maybe we're great at bringing our requests to God, but not so good at bringing our temptations to him. 
Here's a clincher. Maybe we speak to God in a different voice to how we speak to everyone else. You know, you, you, it doesn't take long to realize that functionally we, we still believe that there are some places where, well, God's really here and then there are other parts of our lives where we just crack on and we can leave God at the door. He doesn't want anything to do with this. Why would he? Surely God is a Sunday experience. But we know that's not true. Because the incarnation shows us it's not true because Jesus spent time with friends. He went to parties. He felt things. He felt frustration. He had to deal with people he disagreed with and who disagreed with him. What would it look like this next year if we really believed, if we really, really, really believed that God was present in every part of our lives? What freedom from sin would he bring? What faith would it stir in us if we, if we really believed God was with us everywhere we went? In every coffee shop, in every good thing and bad thing? How would we see other people differently if we believed God was present? How would we see ourselves differently if we believed God was really present with us? How would it change the way we watch TV? Our ability to overcome temptation. What would it do to our sense of God's presence in our work, in our emotions, in our struggles, and in even... Our laughter. Oh, that we would see God more in our laughter. To put it simply, wouldn't it be amazing? This is all it's about, by the way. Wouldn't it be amazing if 2020, for you and for me, was more full of God than 2019? I want that so much for you. I want it so much for me. And I really think it starts here. I really think that one of the biggest problems we face is also one of the simplest. It starts with us really believing, really becoming awake to God in every part of our lives. Every part of it. I think it all starts here. And by the way, all of our practices, spiritual disciplines, all the stuff we talk about, particularly the examine, which Ignatius also came up with, it's all about becoming awake to God's presence. Every spiritual discipline is, is, just, is just about becoming more awake to the fact that God is here. He wants to speak to us. He wants to know us. He wants to work through us. And so I'm, I'm going to come into land, told you it wasn't going to be long, with just a few points from this scripture in Hebrews. I'm going to focus in particular on verse 16 uh, to 18. Let me read them again. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. The writer says this, For surely it is not angels that he helps, talking about Jesus, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propriation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What does the incarnation mean? Verse 16, it means that God has come to help us. You know, reading about this, the verb for, for help in this bit, literally the verb for he has not come to help angels, but to help the sons of Abraham. The, the, the verb here literally means to take someone by the hand and to lead them. That's what Jesus wants for you and me, to take us by the hand, to help us by leading us on. And the thing is, Jesus doesn't just tell us about the way, he shows us the way. He takes us by the hand. He shows us how it's possible to love more, to have better relationships, how it's possible to love our enemies, how it can be possible to live in a world where we don't judge others. All kinds of things. Jesus shows us the way. As the writer of Hebrews puts earlier, 
He is the exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. And, 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 and also in this moment, a lot of scholars sort of say that, that Jesus doesn't just make a way for us to get out of our mess and for a, a way for us to have a relationship with God. But, but earlier on in this chapter, he's talked about as the ultimate big brother of the family, which, which, which a lot of scholars agree sort of uh, um, is the absolute opposite of what we get from the older brother in the prodigal son story. In the prodigal son, we get a, an older brother who stands far off to, the, to his younger brother who's in a complete mess and just judges him. Isn't he terrible? Isn't he awful? But Jesus is the older brother that comes to us in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our chaos, and leads us to God. Second thing, what does the incarnation mean? It means he has become like us in every Respect. God has become like us in every respect. St. Gregory has this pithy little phrase where he says, the unassumed is the unhealed. And what he means by that is that if God just took on a little bit of our humanity, if he was fully God and maybe just thought a few human thoughts or had a human pair of legs, then only the bit that he took on could be healed. But God took on everything it means to be human. And so all of our humanity can be healed. All of our humanity can be touched by God. If you're anxious this morning, if you feel trapped in your own mind, God had a human mind, so he is able to heal it. He's able to bring peace to anxiety. Thirdly, what does the incarnation mean? It means that Jesus knew temptation. Jesus knew temptation. Jesus knew what it was to struggle with temptation, yet was without sin. So even in our temptation, even in our suffering, God is present. So what? What does it all mean? Well, it means that God is here. As I was, I was, as I was researching for this sermon, I, I heard about a, uh, a Christian leader who challenged her congregation to to spend a year saying God is here in all kinds of different situations. You know, maybe some of us pray before we eat food, but I mean, but what she was talking about is even the ordinary stuff. When you're about to shout at someone for cutting you off on the A60, God is here. The next time you're tempted to sin, God is here. The next time you're washing up, I've mentioned that twice, you can tell it's a thing for me, can't you? <laughs> the next time you're washing up, God is here. The next time someone isn't nice to you at school, God is here. When you're ready to snap at someone who really annoys you, maybe some of you have been in that situation this week, who knows? God is here. When you're sad, God is here. When you're laughing, God is here. When you're hungry, God is here. When you're lonely, God is here. When you're at a party, God is here. When you're lustful, God is here. When you're shopping, God is here. And even, folks, when there is a fire drill, God is here. How might that change us? 
in the next year, if we started that practice, that simple phrase, that no part of our lives would be shut off from the presence of Jesus, would we not hear him more, do you think? Would we not find it harder to give in to temptation when we know he's with us in temptation? Would we not sense him more, even in our places of hurt and loneliness? Would we not have an intimacy with him? Is this not prayer? Or at least part of it. God is here. So my challenge, I'm I'm, I'm coming into land, and we're going to have a fire drill in a minute, as you know. But my challenge this morning is if you want prayer, you want to pray for someone, why not pray for someone out on Elm Avenue during the fire drill? God is there too. Even when we don't have a Nord and a pad, God is there. God is with us. Should we stand? And I'm going to pray for us. If you feel comfortable, why don't you close your eyes? Just these last couple minutes as we come to finish this morning. Maybe close your eyes. Hold out your hands. That's just a sign of saying that you're open to God, open to his love, his goodness. Holy Spirit, we want to see Jesus. We want to see you in all things, in all people. Lord, I pray this morning, make us awake to your presence. Let us be people who who refuse to shut off parts of our lives and our hearts from you. See every moment as, as ripe for meeting with you. Father, I pray that no part of our lives would be discounted from your presence. Lord, I pray that where we're hurting this morning, where some of us are dealing with grief and loss, where some of us are struggling with temptation, Lord, would we know that you are present in that hurt, in that struggle, in that temptation. Lord, I pray, let us grasp hold of this, not just for our sake, not just for the sake of our own lives, but for the sake of our city, for the sake of our friends, that as we call out your presence in the world, we'll see more and more people welcomed in to your kingdom. God is here. Is it something you want this morning? Just before we finish, just ask him in your own words. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come and show you how close he is. Ask Jesus to help you recognize him in every situation. Ask him to help you lead a life, live a life full of him. Just ask him.
before we finish, I just believe there's a couple of, in us, of us today who have been, even this year, struggling with bereavement, with the loss of someone we love. I'm just drawn to a moment in my life where someone came to pray for me and instead of saying words, they just began to cry. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me in that moment that these are my tears, that I have grieved with you. And I just believe some of us this morning that, that God would just say that he grieves with you. Grieves with you. Just as he wept over his friend Lazarus, he has wept over your loss. He's wept over it. So Lord, we, we want to thank you for your presence. Not just in this space, not just now, but in the fire drill in a moment. In our lunch today. In our moments of faith, our moments of doubt, our moments of laughter. With us as we watch TV. <laughs> thank you for your presence with us always. And Trinity Church Nottingham, I want to pray that the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would be upon each one of you, remain with you this evening, this afternoon, this lunchtime, this fire drill, and forevermore. In Jesus' name. Amen.